Welcome to Take It From Us with host Kent Johns. Real people, real voices, real lives. Discussing mental health, addiction and disability in the community. Your weekly window to the real world. Welcome to Take It From Us. Welcome to Take It From Us. Uh, my name is Kent Johns. This is our second show uh, for 2022. Really appreciate all of the support and the lovely messages that you have sent my way, Karen's way, uh, and our support team as well over the last few days. Hope you've had a great week. Really hope you've had a great week. Um, funny old times, isn't it, eh? We keep mentioning that. How many times would you have heard someone say that recently? Geez, strange old times that we're living in. But that is the truth, and we're still all having to find ways, aren't we, of just getting through um, tough times and, and the uncertainty and maybe some of the worry and some of the fears uh, that we all have. Uh, please make sure you jump on our Facebook page as well. Take it from us. Leave us a comment. Uh, throw out some suggestions. Uh, it could be anything that we've done. It could be anything that you would like us to maybe address or just tell us how you're going because that's the way that we can come up with this really good support network is just by reaching out. So make sure you do that. Uh, for me, I actually had a, a pretty good week. I have to say, uh, went away over the weekend for a cousin's reunion. First time ever for me that I was involved in a cousin's reunion. I'm 44 years of age. I'm one of eight cousins on my mother's side of the family. Uh, my younger brother lives overseas, so he couldn't make it. But the other seven, uh, we all got together just north of Auckland just for the weekend, went, went up on Friday afternoon and came back on Sunday and, and had a really great time and it was really, really neat. See, my cousins and I often would only see each other at Christmas, on Christmas Day. Um, so we could go a year without seeing each other. Uh, but this, in this instance, recently, a couple of cousins older than me, we haven't seen each other for five years. And man, a lot has changed in that time. I've lost more hair, I reckon, in those five years. Um, there are some grey hairs uh, coming out in some of my cousins. And, and one of us made the joke, well, it can only go one of two ways. It either goes grey or you lose it. And you just have to get get used to the fact that you're in one of those two groups. But we had an awesome time. And it was just really, really good to connect and just have really good conversations. Like we had proper conversations about how we're going. We talked about our vulnerabilities. We talked about how, how the uncertainty of life at the moment and what we're worried about and what might scare us, uh, but also what we're optimistic about and just kind of reforging those, those great connections that had been established for years and years and years. And the great thing is with family and, you know, please leave us a comment if you go with this. Often you just get back to how it always was. Like my cousins and I, we haven't seen much of each other at all in the last few years, but we've always gotten on well. There's a great camaraderie there, and as soon as we catch up again, uh, the humour comes out. And I just found it kind of nourishing to the soul that these people who, who are important in my life that I don't get to spend much time with these days are still there. And we can still, you know, lean in and talk about how our extended family is going and, and share ideas about what we want to be doing. And like I say, it, it kind of, I think my daughter uses this phrase at school, fill up each other's buckets. And we came away with our buckets full after the weekend. Now, yes, there was some excess. There was some excess. I did have a few drinks over the weekend. That wasn't the problem for me, though. The problem was the sugar and the home baking and having to try every person's offering. So I think, you know, a week of clean living <laughs> and trying to make an effort to eat well this week is, is going to be very, very important for me. Uh, but my biggest takeaway was I am going to make more of an effort to truly connect with the people that I care about. And that doesn't mean, you know, texting them or WhatsApping them or whatever it might be. Those tools are great to set up proper connections. Uh, for me, though, that's a, a conversation is what counts. It could be on the phone. It could be via, you know, a video conferencing or, of course, in person. And you get to give each other hugs and you get to give each other bear hugs and then you're going again for a kiss. And uh, that kind of contact I just found so awesome over the weekend. It just made me think, you know, family and friends, I need to do a better job of connecting with them properly. Pick the phone up and give someone a ring and just check in and, and ask how they're going. And then, of course, they ask you how you're going. Then you've had a proper conversation. So, you know, I had a really awesome weekend in that regard, and it was so great to catch up with my cousins, and I look forward to doing it again 
uh, further on down the track. I think we've agreed maybe every 18 months to two years because then it will be really, really special and something that we can all look forward to. Now, our program today, we've got some some tremendous guests on the program. A little bit later, uh, Nikki Smirk and C. Niz. These are two young, inspiring men who set up ghost-like records. They're Kiwi artists with a passion for supporting rangatahi in the mental health recovery space through their love of music. And I think we are in for a little bit of a treat as well. I think we might have a track that has previously not been released. We get first dibs on that. So very excited to hear that. I will also talk to Dr. Alex Bartle. He is a sleep expert. He has been dealing with sleep and problems associated with sleep for years and years and years. He set up the Sleep Well Clinic in Auckland. He is with us on our program today as well because if you're anything like me, sleep can be at a premium And some days you really need a decent sleep just to clear the brain fog, get that mental clarity, and you can't find it. And I know for me it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. One bad sleep leads to another bad sleep leads to another one. And I find myself awake in the middle of the night going, "Uh uh-oh, I'm awake again. And, and my worst fears are that I cannot go back to sleep. So I think at this point of time, it's really important we check in with Dr. Alex Bartle just to, uh, to find out what he thinks of how we're all going. Is sleep deprivation in New Zealand as bad as what we are led to believe? And of course, some tips as to how we can all get better sleep. Because if we sleep well, we're more likely to have a good day the next day. Um, that is guaranteed. So we've got some great stuff coming up on our program today. Take it from us. Our very first guest is an inspiring young lady, Rika Rosley. You're listening to Take It From Us. My story, your story, our story. Rika Rosley is a young mum. She's a motivational speaker and peer support specialist from Waiuku. She comes from a background of lived experience in sexual abuse, homelessness, domestic violence, drug abuse and baby loss. Rika is now in her ninth year of mental distress and addiction recovery. She's dedicated those last nine years of her career to supporting youth in the field of suicide prevention. In 2014, Rika founded a youth empowerment movement called My Voice Matters and has designed and facilitated wellbeing workshops in schools and communities nationwide using her own story to inspire and support the lives of other young Rika is also the New Zealand Ambassador for the Youth Assembly, alumni of the Mental Health Foundation of New Zealand's Point of Difference, and WWGSD, Women Who Get Shit Done. What a great name that is. Uh, Rika is currently preparing to take a team of young Kiwi leaders to New York City for the 27th Youth Assembly and has been co-facilitating a Hiora course, Youthful Nature, in her hometown for young people with a Te Ao Māori focus. And it's a really lovely uh, pleasure to welcome Rika to our program, to take it from us. Rika, how are you doing? Sure, thank you for having me. I'm doing good, thank you. How are you? I'm really good. Uh, what's your focus at the moment? Um, I think it kind of summed it up just then. Um, so at the moment, I'm preparing to go over to New York in August. So that's a lot of fundraising and planning that goes into that. Um, I got to go to the Youth Assembly a couple of years ago as a New Zealand delegate. Um, and it was in Washington, D.C. And it was just completely life-changing for me. Um, and this year, as an ambassador, I get to actually take a team with me, which will be amazing. I'd love to give um, other young Kiwis that opportunity. So that's sort of my focus at the moment. What was so life-changing about it for you and what, what messages were you able to bring home with you? So there were, I'd say, over 120 countries represented there and just getting to meet with other youth leaders and seeing what's working in their country and what isn't in terms of, well, for me, my focus is mental health. Um, I think the most life-changing message that I got to bring home was from a representative from Nigeria. Um, and he was talking to me about, you know, the poverty and the um, harsh conditions that their youth are living in over there. And he was just amazed when I told him about our quality of life here in New Zealand. Um, And then I said, oh, you know, like considering how they live over there, um, youth suicide must just be rife. He said, no, it's absolutely unheard of. He said, you wouldn't wouldn't even dream of it. And we sort of got to talking and what we figured out, it comes down to mentality. So the way that they are raised over there, he said you were taught from a very young age, you know, someone can take your money, they can take your job, they can take the clothes off your back, but what they can't take from you is your love of life. Whereas here, I think a lot of the thinking is around, if I end my life, I end all the problems that come with it. And it was just such a, 
a life-changing lesson for me just hearing that alone. So that would probably be the biggest message that I took home from that assembly. And how have you been able to convey that message to the people in your community? So I try to instill it in all of the lessons I teach. Um, we actually started coming up with a really cool cultural exchange program just based off that one conversation. But obviously with COVID, it's been really difficult to get anything off the ground. Um, so I'm just looking into different ways that I can do that. And I'm really excited to see what else I can learn at this next assembly as well. Mm. And how many people are you taking over with you at the stage? Um, I can take up to 15 myself, but anyone is welcome to attend. Um, I'm looking for at least four more um, young people at this stage um, and uh, 18 to 32-year-olds passionate about any of the SDGs that could be climate change, gender equality. Um, I'm going for health and well-being, focused on mental health. Um, yeah, uh, just people who are passionate and making an impact in their own community. What's the biggest issue troubling youth at the moment here in New Zealand? This is such a complex question and I get asked it so often. I think part of the issue is that we're looking at it as this big thing and that there must be one solution. And I think what we really need to do is scale it right down to the individual. And it's that lack of connection with individuals that I think is the issue here. So everyone's going through their own thing, you know, but like I said, like that whole mentality that we're raised with and that culture, I think that, Mm. needs to be looked at. Um, I'm not happy with the wait times on actually accessing help uh, in New Zealand. There's a lot that needs shaking up. Mm. Yeah, the system's just completely overwhelmed at the moment, isn't it? There's just not enough boots on the ground for yeah. for people to book in and, and talk to a specialist. Yeah. Well, tell me if I'm wrong with this metaphor, but often, you know, when you might say that you're cold, let's say you, oh, I'm really cold today, and someone says, well, you think you're cold, try living down here. Um, it doesn't change the fact that relative to your own surroundings and your own life, you are cold. Um, do you think maybe we have adopted this approach in New Zealand where we say, look, you think you're doing it tough? Think about those poor people in Nigeria. And actually, we're not addressing the root causes of why that particular person is troubled. Absolutely. It's so relative. I mean... You wouldn't say to someone if they said, oh, I'm feeling really happy today, like, oh, that person should be way happier than you are. Why do you think you're happy, <laughs> you know? And it's just such a funny way of looking at things. Like uh, a lot of the time when I share my story, uh, I get people saying, you know, like, oh, well, you've had such a rough life and whatever, mm. whatever I've been through. I wouldn't say that, you know, someone might have uh, lost their pet kitten when they were five and that was tragic for them. I would never say that my life was harder than anyone else's for that exact reason. Um, pain is pain. And um, you just you can't relate these things. So, yeah. Yeah, and look, there's always someone in a better position than you, and there's always someone in a worse position than you. It's it's about how you're going is what counts. Yeah, absolutely. So, Rika, do the young kids these days, the young people, the people that you work with, do they know where to turn for help? Yep, um, we actually go over it every single day. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, and. I think there's so much pressure on the young people themselves to be the ones to, you know, there's all these campaigns about, like, be brave, speak up, ask for help, and that's fine. But we as a society need to make sure that we are prepared when someone does reach out for help or we recognise the signs and someone reaches out for help. It might not uh, come in the way that we'd expect. Um, certain behaviours we see as disruptive could be a call for help and we're just not responding to that properly. So I think making, like checking in on yourself first, am I a trustworthy person? Am I approachable? Those sorts of things are what we start, um, what we need to start asking ourselves. Take it from us. We are talking with Rika Rosley. Uh, Rika, how did you turn your life around? I, I read out your story there in, in the, the bio to kick things off. How were you able to turn your life around? Uh, it's, a, it's a big one. Um, I guess it was just this big downward spiral that started from a really young age. And I think my turning point, I was 20 years old, um, and it was a positive pregnancy test that turned it around for me. Um, I didn't actually get support when it came to um, 
coming off drugs, I was actually locked in a room by a friend and she said, you're not coming out of here till you've come down and then you're not touching it again. And she kept a very close eye on me. And it's a bit of a harsh and weird way to um, get clean, as they say. But um, as a 20-year-old, that's what I had at the time. And it honestly was the start of everything for me was that. Um, I started learning to be okay with accepting help. Um, I was offered some fruit from a church one day and they said, oh, you should come down one time. Usually there's no way I would do that, but I decided to go along and I met some people and just sort of um, opening myself up, putting myself out there and just one thing leads to another and you never know who you're going to meet or how they might help you. So um, just really putting myself out there Um, starting to believe in myself was the biggest thing. You know, I'd I'd never thought that I'd be able to say that I'm nine years sober. There was no way. So, like, self-belief is is the biggest thing. And just, like, um, identity, just knowing who I am and just being confident about that person, believing in that person. Um, I'd say that was the biggest turning point for me and becoming a mum became a huge part of my identity. So finding that um, and just realizing that my experiences actually became like the foundations of, of who I am today and like my willingness to help others and the fact that I can hold hope for other people, um, that's that's a huge reason to live. So. so grasping the concept that asking for help is a strength as opposed to a weakness – do, do people still need convincing of that? Uh, yes. And I think, yeah, it's just taking that responsibility back as well. Um, yeah, I think I I had a very hard time at first with asking for help because you do get so many no's, so much rejection. It's finding the right sorts of people who you can turn to for help. Um so it, it comes down to the very, very little things. If someone says they're going to do something, they need to follow through with that because it could be the smallest thing. It could be like, oh, yeah, well, yeah we'll catch up for coffee next week. Mm. If you don't, mm. as small as that coffee might be to you, that might mean the world to someone else. That could be a life-saving coffee. Do you know what I mean? Um, so those little things are what build that trust. So becoming that trustworthy person that someone can talk to, I think that's that's the most important thing. And yeah, recognising that as someone asking for help just comes naturally. You you sort of feel out who you can trust and who you can't. And mm. yeah. So when you were at your lowest point, how did you hang on to hope? Um, well, <laughs> that's a big one. I think for me, every day I would have more to look back on and more of a reason to be like, this is why I'm doing this. And I think pregnancy just came at a really good time for me because, you know, you're literally growing a life every day. The life is getting closer and closer to to being here with you. And so for me personally, that was the motivator. Like it's, it's something physically there. You can't avoid it. Your belly's growing. <laughs> Baby's going to arrive any day. And for me, that was the motivator. Um, but, I mean, if, if, if you're not pregnant, um, you can still look back and every day you're getting closer to being who you're supposed to be and further away from who you had to be. What's the nicest compliment you've been given? Oof. Um, I've had a lot, a lot of real nice ones from kids that I've worked with. That's been amazing. Just kids wanting to do what I do is mm. huge. Um, one that absolutely changed my life was I was uh, teaching um, My Voice Matters in, um, I think it was Topol. Um, no, Todonga, sorry. This uh, young girl at the end, we had questions and answers. She was a bit quiet during the class, but at the end she just blah, 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 blah. I just wouldn't stop talking. And I thought she was awesome, and I answered all her questions. It was great. And then um, afterwards her tutor came up to me crying, and I said, what's wrong? She said, um... That girl had been through horrific abuse, like you couldn't imagine. And since that day, she'd actually been mute. She hadn't spoken. And it was the first time she'd spoken. And for me, that wow. was a life-changing compliment. Like if I can help someone find their voice, like 
my job's done anything from here as a bonus for me. So I, that was my moment of I've, I've redefined success in my mind and I'm successful now. Wow. So you literally help someone find their voice. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. I think it was a sign to keep going and I'm doing the right thing for sure. What's your key message to, to any young people that are listening to this program today? What's your key message for them? Uh, everything I do, honestly, comes down to identity, self-confidence and support. So, like I said, finding who you are, despite the world trying to tell you who you're supposed to be, um, being confident in that person, like that person is supposed to be here for a reason and it's amazing, it's a miracle that you get to be that person, be that person. Mm. And then support, um, find your tribe, stick with them. Um, it's okay to trust people and be a trustworthy person yourself. Mm. Yeah, that, that was a point that we made last week on our program was, you know, it, it takes a village to raise a child, but it also takes a village to support people as well. And we need to lean on each other and support each other. That's how we get through life. We can't Absolutely. do it on our own, eh? We're not, we're not designed to, no. No, no, we, we, we hunt in packs, as they say. So that's, it's really inspiring stuff. Just one final question for you, and just to grab a final thought. What are you most hopeful for now in life? Oh, wow. It's such uncertain times that we're living in, so it's really hard to say that. But I just want safe and supportive communities for young people. I just want to end the youth suicide crisis that we're facing at the moment. Like one young life lost to suicide is one too many. And um, I just want a better world for my kids to grow up in. Yeah, Dave Latelli, who we interviewed last week, he he talked about the safety of the community too. And when I asked him what did he mean by that, he said having people not being judged, whether it be because they're unhealthy or overweight or whatever it might be. What what's your view on safe? What does that mean to you? It, it's not only just accepting diversity, but it's celebrating it. What a boring world it would be if we were all the same, you know. I think it's amazing that we get to live in such a rich, culturally diverse society, especially here in Aotearoa. So I think that needs to really be celebrated. We need to um, learn more about each other and understand each other. There's so much we can learn from each other. So, um, yeah, I think that's what that means to me. Yeah. Well, the courage and the bravery... And the self-compassion and the compassion and empathy for others, Rika, really shines through and it's really inspiring. It's really, really inspiring and you're helping so many people by just being you. So well done and all the very best in the future. Thank you so much. And go well at the Youth Assembly. I bet you're very excited to head back to New York City, eh? Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Thank you. That's Rika Rosley. Uh, you can find out more about Rika and her mahi at myvoicematters.co.nz or get in touch via email hello at myvoicematters.co.nz. Oh, 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 oh,
that's Coldplay. Every teardrop is a waterfall. Uh, Karen chose that track, and she chose it because she loves it, and she feels uplifted every time she hears it. And I, I was uplifted by Rika Rosley, our guest just a few minutes ago, and what she had to say. She, this is a young woman doing some tremendous things, uh, making a difference in people's lives, and just needing some support at this time. If you're keen to join the movement, reach out to her. She'd love to hear from you. She's off to New York. We hope to check in with her later in the year when she comes back because that'll be an opportunity to find out how she's been going. Myvoicematters.co.nz, just to give you that website again, myvoicematters.co.nz. Please get in touch with her. She's doing some tremendous things and uh, any support would be appreciated. I'll tell you what I would appreciate though, would be better sleep consistently. What about the difference you feel after a great night's sleep versus an average night's sleep, let alone a bad one? And it just I get this feeling that a lot of people at the moment are probably struggling as far as sleep goes. People are tired, people are busy, people are maybe finding it finding it tough to to kind of energize and, and get going in the morning. I can attest to that. Uh, I've been struggling with my sleep recently. So what we thought we'd do is talk to a sleep expert, someone who can come on and help us maybe identify ways in which we can get better sleep. So we've gotten hold of Dr. Alex Bartle. He is a sleep expert from the Sleep Well Clinic in Auckland. He completed a master's degree in sleep medicine through Sydney University and then established the Sleep Well Clinic, well, many years ago, actually, back in 2000. So here's a guy that knows what he's talking about. Uh, since then, he's been joined throughout the country by medical colleagues equally convinced of the importance of sleeping well and how that affects our well-being. Uh, Dr. Bartle, it's so good to have you on the program. Take it from us. Uh, first question I need to know, are you yourself getting enough sleep? Uh, yes, I sleep pretty well, fortunately. Uh, if I didn't, it would be a bit of a sad thing because I shouldn't know what to do. What? Ha- well, tell me a little bit more about that. When you do find that you're having some sleep issues, because we all have them from time to time, given your background, how do you rectify that? Uh, well, the first thing is we always say go to bed a bit later rather than earlier. So always make sure when you go to bed that you're ready to go to sleep. So going to bed regularly at 10 o'clock and then not sleeping till midnight, we'd say go to bed at midnight. Uh, when you're more likely to go to bed. And go, then, when you can go to bed and go to sleep, then you can go to bed a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier, a little bit earlier. Mm. When you wake in the middle of the night, which is a major problem often for a lot of people, wake up and your old mind's buzzing and you can't uh, get back to sleep, three issues. Number one, get rid of your clock. Stop clock watching. Stop worrying about it. Everybody wakes at night, so don't panic. You know, they've done lots of studies on students who say they sleep through the night. Nobody sleeps through the night. Everybody wakes up. But usually... Goes back to sleep so goes back to sleep so quickly that they don't realise they've woken. So most people think they sleep through the night, but actually nobody does. So waking is okay. Stop looking at the clock because that immediately has an emotional impact on us. You know, oh bugger, it's you know one o'clock and I'm awake and I shouldn't be. Yes, you should go back to sleep. Number two, engage in relaxation strategies: breathing, muscle relaxation, visualisation, some mindfulness meditation, prayer, self hypnosis. Transcendental meditation, I don't care, but use some relaxation to try and calm that Mm. top brain, that thinking, buzzing brain down a little bit. Number three, that's not working. You've now been awake for maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, you're getting really fretful, get out of bed. Do not lie in bed for hours on end fretting. Mm. Bed is a place for sleep. And so if you're not sleeping for any length of time, get out of bed. And you only need to be out of bed for maybe 15, 20 minutes. Um, because the whole idea of getting out of bed is because when we lie in bed, we we catastrophize, okay? Molehills become mountains. We, we worry about things much more. Get out of bed and you can engage your proper frontal lobes, your actual thinking process. No, my wife's not going to believe me. No, the kids are actually going to be all right. No, my job's going to be okay. So calm down a bit. Do a bit of writing, writing down anything that's on your mind, but not TV, not computer, not doing the washing up, no no preparing meals for, the, meals for the next day. You're not getting up to do things. You're getting up to wind yourself down, maybe some writing down if there's some stuff on your mind that you need to get rid of, a bit of reading, a bit of meditation, but you only need to be up for about 15, 20 minutes just to calm that brain down, go back to bed. And that's been shown in many studies that that's very... It's like you've got this tremendous insight into my sleep pattern. So I... I... <laughs> I've got no trouble getting to sleep. It's that waking yeah. up one or two o'clock and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, no, I'm awake again. Yeah. Oh, no. And I start to worry and I start to fret and then I can ruin the night completely. Yes, absolutely. 
just seen someone earlier this morning who was, uh, who was awake for maybe up to a couple of hours in the middle of the night, just lying there tossing mm. and turning, finally drifting off at about 7 o'clock and they have to get up at 7.30. So, you know, that's not, not helpful. Um, so there are strategies you can do. To are you that. finding more of us are sleeping poorly at the moment? I think part of it is it's not just the stress. There's always been stress around the world. Uh, it isn't good at the moment. I mean, some people, to be honest, find working from home, for example, is uh, some improvement. I mean, they don't have to have this long commute in the morning. Uh, long. I had a guy again, another person this morning, who, who actually enjoyed the commute. Uh, it was time when he could chill out and do that. So he misses that and misses the routine of getting up and, and getting on the train or the bus or whatever. So we, we sometimes... Better from being at home, sometimes we're not as good from being at home. Um, <clears throat> stress, I mean, one of the problems over summer, of course, is that it gets so damned hot in our bedrooms. And, you know, hot bedrooms, impossible to sleep. We need the bedroom to be cool. And it's sometimes quite difficult to achieve, you know, when we're getting these hot nights. Uh, are we as chronically underslept collectively as we're led to believe we are? Oh, absolutely. There's no question that you know, if we looked... Um, 100 years ago, for example, it was regularly eight or nine hours people would get some sleep. Nowadays, we're lucky if we get a... I mean, we say that seven hours is pretty good, actually. Uh, eight hours is great if you can get it. But less than six hours on a regular basis. And if you look at the stats from the States, for example, from the USA, about 40 to 50% of people, of the adults there, are getting less than six hours a night. That's not healthy. There's so much going on... That, Sleep is a hugely active process. There's masses going on in sleep. And if we don't do enough, get enough sleep, we're not doing all those valuable things that make us function well during the day. Thinking processes, mindful, you know, the, this um, motivation, things like concentration, memory. And if we get tired, we get moody, you know, it affects mood. We don't leap out of bed in the morning saying, yippee, it's morning, it's great. No, you wake up and think, oh, bugger, it's mm. morning again. You know, am I going to function today? So not enough sleep is important. The second thing, which is probably one of the things we deal with very commonly, of course, is sleep apnea, which is snoring. And snoring, you know, it's a bit of a joke, really. Oh, he's making a hell of a racket, he's snoring. Well, actually, if you're loud snoring, you've almost certainly got some sleep apnea. And that's not good for your sleep because you keep on pouring out adrenaline during the night to keep the airway open, stop the snoring and the stopping breathing. And that just mucks up your sleep cycle. So you, you feel tired in the morning. And it's one of the most satisfying things I've done in medicine to actually treat sleep apnea. It's almost my, life-changing in so many options, in so many cases. I know, Alex, for me, if I have not had a good sleep, I, I find it debilitating. It absolutely can ruin a day. It can ruin my mood. I can find it very difficult to jump back out of it. Whereas I know after a good sleep, I'm restored. I feel like good old Kent's back. Uh, it's going to be a great day. What is the relationship between poor sleep and good sleep towards our mental well-being, both in the short and long term? Yeah, there's no question that uh, not enough sleep or, or poor quality of sleep, which is the sleep apnea, will uh, make you feel tired and tiredness. It's like pushing through treacle through the day. You just struggle. People push through, but it's a mm. struggle, and that reduces mood. We don't suffer fools gladly if you're tired. You know, we get grumpy if you get tired. And so uh, it is, there's a very strong relationship. Interestingly, um, in teenagers, for example, it's very commonly that uh, they develop, about 20% of teenagers develop this really common thing called uh, delayed sleep phase syndrome, which I, I talk a lot about in adolescent sleep, um, is that they start not being able to go to sleep until maybe midnight, 1 o'clock. Even when they're 18 or 19, I see uh, adult, uh, uh, teenagers who can't get to sleep till 4 or 5 in the morning. But they can sleep on so if they're left, they can sleep until midday or one o'clock, you know, in the afternoon. They don't have insomnia. They have a thing called a delayed sleep phase. Now, this is very strongly associated with teenage depression and, and teenage anxiety. Uh, I mean, if they're at university, then they miss all their morning lectures. If they're working, they'll lose jobs mm. because they're not getting to sleep till four or five in the morning. Then they have to get up at seven o'clock. Yeah. It's a nightmare. And you can prevent that, or you can actually work with that to uh, correct that. But that's a process. But it is very strongly, this uh, can't get to sleep is very strongly associated with depressed, teenage depression. I guess you could make a strong argument, really, 
because of the fact that the alarms are getting in the way of a good night's sleep for a lot of our teenagers is that if we could put working and school hours back a little bit, it might actually work to their benefit. Absolutely. In fact, in the States, uh, as you may know, schools often start at 7.30 in the morning or have been in the past. And because of this knowledge about circadian rhythm mm. nowadays, lots of schools are starting at 8.30 or 9.00. Now, in New Zealand, we traditionally started at 8.30 or 9.00 anyway, um, which isn't too bad. Uh, but, you know, it's a question of life. Uh, the whole of society is actually based very much around school times. Um, you know, going, starting school later, work starts later. For many adults now, we're doing flexi time. You know, a lot of people working from home, that's a lot of trust involved in that. So as long as you get your work done, they don't really mind, the boss doesn't really mind when you do it quite, as long as you get it done, which gives you some flexibility. Um, but for schools and for people who have to work at a certain time, then you have to get up whether you've got to sleep earlier or not. And that's why teenagers, for example, and early 20s are very good at um, uh, night work, hospitality, because they don't have to start work till sort of three in the afternoon and they work through till midnight or one o'clock. That suits their lifestyle very well. But, of course, when then suddenly they get into a normal job that they have to start work at eight o'clock and, and it's a nightmare because they're just not getting enough sleep. And getting to sleep can often be a problem for people. Alex, what, what's your number one tip for all of us to ensure that we go to bed nice and relaxed and we've maximised our chances of a good sleep? What can we do? Look, I really recommend uh, um, journaling. Uh, re relaxation stuff is very good. I mean, we need to go to bed in as relaxed and, and calm state as possible. So journaling is a really helpful thing. And this is writing stuff down, not typing. Typing's far too fast. It's writing stuff down that's on your mind that you can then throw away. And you throw it away not because you're throwing away your worries, but because it's not for anybody to read. So you can say what the hell you like to that piece of paper, but it's externalising stuff. It's a bit like counselling to a piece of paper. And you can write stuff down, throw it away. Um, just writing a plan for the next day is useful. Doing some meditation before you go to bed. Reduce your screen time. It makes a huge time. We like it to be at least half an hour, preferably an hour before you go to bed. Stop looking at your, your, your iPhone and your, and your computer. Now, that's really tough for a lot of teenagers whose life revolves around, you know, it's not like we oldies who used to be able to, you know, who've been reading or doing other things. Uh, it's often not part of these youngsters' lives, this reading and, and doing jigsaw puzzles or Sudoku or playing a guitar or something, but not screen time, and it really does make a difference. And it is a worry um, that, because that certainly does impact on sleep. And the final one is, as I said earlier, go to bed a bit later on there. Now make sure when you go to bed you can go to sleep then you can work with that you can bring it forward a bit. it's tremendous advice um, and so valued at this time Alex there's something I, I was taking notes as, as you were talking to us and I'm sure a lot of other people were as well such great advice for all of us to uh, to take on board and to think about we cannot underestimate the importance of a good night's sleep it's so good of you to join us on Take It From Us thank you no trouble at all pleasure to talk This is Take It From Us. Real stories, real life, as told by you. Well, Nikki Smirk and C. Niz started Ghost Like Studios in 2020 with the sole purpose to be able to provide a place where local artists can make their dreams a reality. Growing up with ADHD, Nikki was teased a lot at school, did not make many friends easily. He always found it extremely difficult to pay attention during class and required constant medication to help stay focused. He liked to think that music saved his life. Uh, C. Niz has the singing voice. And together they shared the same goals and motives. Uh, Nikki and C. Niz decided they should form a studio together to try and create some great things. And I've got both of these guys with us today on Take It From Us. Thank you so much for your time. How are you both doing? Awesome, Kent. Thank you so much. It's really good to be here. Uh, yeah, cheers. Tell us about the vision, about the, the shared goals and how it all came together. That's a real good question, Kent. Actually, um, when, I, when I met C. Niz, I was going through a sort of like a stage in my life where I was really, really in, um, climbing the ladder with the music and we, we were looking for more people to sort of branch out and work with. And it was through a mutual friend, actually, that uh, his name's Forsaken, that uh, Cena's and I um, met each other. And the moment we met each other, it was like instant chemistry. Um, I heard Cena's sing for the first time and I thought, damn, this dude's got a voice of gold. I can't believe this, you know. Um, my mum's his biggest fan. <laughs> so um yeah and we, we we shared the same ideologies and 
we decided it would be a good idea if we could put two minds together to try and come up with a common vision and a dream to make a studio, which is Ghost Lake Studios. And through that, we've been able to help artists. Um, mm. We've also helped people with disabilities too. We've had, we've had a um, student come through who has autism and uh, beautiful, I'm talking beautiful mm. reggae voice. This kid came through and you know he's on like the risk beware sort of list. Like you have to have like a minder with him at all times. But the moment he stepped into mm. our studio, he was nothing of the sort. The moment the music played, he was calm, collected. Right. He was in his zone. It was so amazing to see Ken. And just we mm. recorded this reggae song for him and his mum cried. You know, she said, I'm just so happy to see my boy be able to fulfill his dreams because she didn't think he had a chance to, you know. And so, Lovely. Yeah. It's like he's found his happy place. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, mm. that's exactly right. H- how, did, how did music save your life, do you think? Well, growing up with ADHD before, before I became medicated, um, I found it really, really difficult to make friends at school. I was always teased. I was always bullied. Um, I just, I was different from the rest. I was, mm. in, in all truth, this kid, I was annoying. I was easily distracted, you know, always flicking the pen on the table, always, you know, being that kid. But I didn't realize I was doing it, you know. And one day I just, I was just listening to some music and I thought, I would love to do that. You know, I would, mm. I would love to do that. I'd love to get into hip hop. And I started getting into hip hop and it just kind of came to me. I just... I realized that each time I made a song or I did music, I felt better inside. And I was showing it to friends and I was saying, what do you think? Like, honestly, what do you think? And they were saying, Nikki, this, this is really cool. This is really real. This is really, you know, what it's about. Good on you. You know, so I, I all of a sudden I started having friends. I started having people. It wasn't just the music. I think it was the fact that I was showing a different side of myself that mm. was making me feel better as well, you know. And so I was able to engage with more people based on that sort of common mm. ground. And um, I ended up meeting a lot of like-minded people that have uh, mental disabilities that are in the music industry. And it's, it's actually quite amazing sort of when you look at the fact that people see disabilities as a an ailment when really it's more like just a difference because if you can work with a different wavelength for example creativity through musical structure and frequency some of these people are actually much more of a genius in different ways you know and i've Mm. noticed especially people with autism and other people with adhd they have little quirks and tricks that they can do and they can't explain why they can do it they can just do it and it's once people are sort of able to tap into that and they're able to find their true purpose and goal and seen is what what was your journey into music and who were your influences? Oh, hey mate, how's it going? Um, so basically, for me, um, my journey into music was from a young age. I was always um, I was always singing and performing out loud. You know, like my mum would video me when I, was, when I was a kid, like singing. But I was off. You know, I couldn't sing when I was a kid. I'll be honest, I couldn't sing. It was off pitch, but I was I was enthusiastic and I loved it. You know, so I was like always into it. And then um, going up a bit further, when I was like year six, I think. At um, St. Paul's Primary, I um, performed Where Is The Love in front of about 400 people for a school production. And um, I literally like felt like that was like home for me. Like I owned the stage, walked mm. up and down. And everyone gave me like the energy and stuff, you know, like, and that's where I like sort of was like, oh, I'm pretty good at this, you know, but it wasn't actually apparent to me that I could do that as a job or mm. something, you know. So then um, moving forward, I got to about 15 at school. And I used to get bullied at high school for about four, three, four, five years, long time. And um, then I found a guitar and I was like, oh, mum, I want, can I get one of these? I want to try this. She's like, oh, what do you mean? Like, yeah, because no one in my family plays music. No one's musical. Um, so she, gave, she got me a guitar anyway, randomly, some second hand. And I was like, thanks, mum, you know. And then uh, I went and taught myself at school, asked people to show me a song, learned how to basically like playing myself. I never got any lessons or anything or nothing like that. And then I um, moved forward into making my own music when I was from 16, writing my own songs on the guitar and um, mostly love songs and stuff like that. Like for the girls, you know, <laughs> sing them some songs. Yeah. Um, but I also like helps like just be with myself, if you know what I mean. Like it could help me get away from things and I could sit in my room or sit on a balcony or sit on a rock or anywhere and play. And it, it was just like, it took me away to be like in that moment, if you know what I mean. It was, it was only in yeah. that moment. And then, yeah, meeting Nikki, um, oh, I started Ghost Like Records, sorry, in 2014. Um, I still run it to this day with Nikki Smirk now. Um, got my diploma of audio engineering in 2015 from SAE Institute. Um, and then I met Nikki in 2020. Um, and 
it was literally like I was literally came, I was um, getting kicked out of everywhere I was living, and it wasn't even for anything that I was doing. It was it was like it was the universe like throwing me out of these places. And then all of a sudden, I put up a post, and I'd only met Nikki twice, I think, like just met him, like you know, made a song with him. And then I put up a post on Facebook saying I needed somewhere to live. And within two minutes, Nikki had messaged me saying, come, I got you. You can come and live with me. And I lived in West Auckland, you know, and he lived in East Auckland. So I've never lived on the opposite side or away from West. So it was like a whole new thing. But I thought, you know what, this is what i got to do. I've got to try something new. And we just put our studios together and created this bigger, badder studio, you know, called Ghost Like Studios. And... From the moment I met Nikki, like Kelsey was talking about, with his ADHD, um, I always said to him it was a gift. It wasn't a, um, it wasn't a mental health disability or anything like that. I told him it was a, it was a gift because, like, how many people can hyper-focus, like, when, you know, under certain things that they enjoy? Like, how many people can get that hyper? Like, you know, that's a gift. That's not a, that's not something that can hold you back in a way, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're talking. You're talking about that laser focus. So you came together, you guys, Nikki, and now you're heading out into schools, and you encourage young people to to, to love their music, and you teach kids how to rap. I mean, where were you guys when I was at school? How do you teach kids how to rap? <laughs> honestly, honestly, Ken, I wish that they could have taught us how to rap as well. It's 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 actually quite funny. So so the first school was Summerville Intermediate. Now, when I was a kid, I wasn't very good at doing. Um, like homework, I was terrible, right? But speeches were coming up in year eight, and my dad said to me, son, you're going to do a speech, and you're going to do a good one. And I said, all right, then. He goes, what's your topic going to be? And I, and I thought about it, and I thought, all right, I'm going to do a topic on why I hate going shopping with my parents. But, you know, like when you go out to the malls and you see your friends, and they will see you with your parents. It's, it's a bit embarrassing as a kid, you know? So, that, so I made this speech about it, and, and I tell you what, I bloody won. I won the school final. It was my only trophy till the state that I got from, from school was this little speech trophy, right? And it was at Somerville Intermediate. Skipping right on up to 2020, 2021, eh, Niz? Yeah, 2021. Um, a lady named Vanessa Hancock that works at Somerville Intermediate messaged on the East Auckland grapevine saying we're looking for a couple of rappers to come into the school to teach our kids how to do speeches because back in the day, obviously, we had the informative speeches, but now they can choose spoken word poetry, TED Talks, like the Flash the flash Talks with the PowerPoint behind you sort of thing, and rap or a normal speech. So there's four different categories, and they said, we want to get a couple of rappers to come in to teach these kids how to do it. So... I got tagged in a lot in, in a lot of the messages, and I ended up saying, "Hey, I'll come in and do it." And she said, "Awesome, thanks." So I said, "I'm going to bring my mate Cena's in with me, and we're going to teach the class." So we hosted this amazing workshop. How many weeks have it been? Is we did about tw- ten yeah, weeks, wasn't yeah. it? Ten, thirteen. Uh, twenty twenty was ten weeks, but 20, like, last year was only cut short to about six or seven because of uh, COVID restrictions. But, mm-hmm. but we yeah, yeah. ten weeks in total of, of teaching. Yeah. And it, it was a, it was an amazing thing being able to teach too, and it was quite ironic, sort of going back to the same school. And I brought I brought him a little trophy, and I said, for any of you that think that I'm I'm just here yabbering on, I said, here's my trophy from when I won. You know, so it was like a good chance to show that it's my only claim to fame. So, um. <laughs> and Nikki, what are your ambitions for the future? To be able to help as many people as as we as I can, Kent. Um, being able to put smiles on other people's faces, especially people less fortunate, makes me really happy inside. I love knowing that while, while we're still alive, we can do good things to help other people. We actually had two girls from one of the classes, right? Um, two Islander girls that were awesome, Sierra and Aisha. They were amazing. They were going to go through to the finals. They had done really, really well, and they did a rap together. And they actually emailed me and said, Nikki, thank you for everything, but we, we're not going to do the finals. I said, why not? And they said, oh, because... Uh, we, we don't want to do it in front of everyone. I said, well, well too bad. <laughs> I drove down to the school and I pulled them out of class. I said, I want to have a word with you ladies. I said, girls, if moments like this only come once or twice in a mm. lifetime where you really have the opportunity and you're in the position to really prove yourself and face the world. I said, what does fear stand for? They said, oh, I don't know. I said, it's, it's failing everything against reality. The only thing you're really scared of is fear itself. I said, you're going to go and do it, and you're going to make us all proud. And they said, oh, okay, then. They got up there, Kent, and they won. They won it, right? And then when we had prize giving, which is which about a month later, we had to present the prizes to the people that won, you see, and their parents came up to us and said, thank you so much for pushing our girls to go their extra mile because, you know, 
And I just said to the girls, never, ever forget this moment, you know. Mm. You, you almost backed out, but no, you went and you faced your fear and you came out on top and, you know, you're forever better for it. And that's yeah. what made us truly happy, you know, and that's what we want to do. We want more of that. We want to help the younger generation. We want to help people that are, you know, that are faced with ailments, disabilities, mm. anything like that. We want to help make their dreams happen. Yeah. And we need more of that. And you guys are inspiring so many people. It's been so great to have you on. Uh, make sure, too, you check out the guys' uh, ghost-like records. You can find them online, of course, and go and see some some of the great stuff that they've been doing. It's been awesome to have you both on. Uh, see, Niz, take us out with your exclusive new track. Tell us about uh, that. Cool, so, yeah, I've got a track dropping next month at the end of the month. Uh, it's called I Do It Alone. Uh, basically, it was a time where um, my coach, who was my basketball coach, he... Um, he passed away and he was like a father to me. And um, I literally sat on a couch for 48 hours, like didn't move, except for going to the toilet, um, didn't eat, didn't do nothing, and I just sat there. And then um, something hit me. I, I talked to a a friend on the phone, one person, and I was like, um, he said something to me. He said, um, when you're the strong one, people don't know how to help you sort of thing. He was like, because you're always there for everyone else, People just expect you to be strong, like, and they don't think that you can have these moments or something, you know? And I was like, nah, I get, that makes sense, you know? Like, I thank you for, like, making that a realisation to me. So then once he said that, I put the phone down and I made the song. Like, literally, I had tears in my eyes everything, and I made the song while I was in that state. And um, I don't want to change it because it's got, like, that shaky voice. It's got, like, a little bit of a thing, but, like, I could make it a a really great production, you know, like I could make it sound really tight and all of that, but I don't, I don't think I want to just because the feeling it gets, if you know what I mean. So yeah, this is our scene as I do it alone. Cheers, kid. We need actions, but we stay. Uh, if you need someone to talk to, just message me, I swear. I'll do my best to help you if that means you're staying here. Uh, if you need someone to talk to, just message me, I swear. I'll do my best to help you if that means you're staying here. Yeah. 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 Something's wrong, cause I can see it. You don't gotta ask for my help at all. Cause I can feel it. I was spending the time on them chasing them calls. That is I Do It Alone. Uh, thanks to C Niz for that track. He's releasing that next month, but he wanted us to be the first to hear it. And that's a tremendous little track. So that is called I Do It Alone. You heard it here first on Take It From Us. Karen, Sheldon shout out. Tell us about this. Well, yes. Well, in honour of Sheldon Brown, the longtime host of Take It From Us, he's done the show for 20 years or so, we wanted to recognise the work he's done over the years and to recognise somebody or an organisation that's done something positive either in their own lives or helping others. So if you know of someone who's achieved this something positive or some work that's helped others, then let us know via Facebook, take it from us, and we'll give them a Sheldon shout-out. This week, Kent, we want to recognise the work of Drive Consumer Mental Health Services. They're in our community and they're providing support and services for those of us experience mental distress and addiction. If you're looking for help, then this is a great place to start. These are great people with lived experience of mental distress 
They know what it's like and they can put you in touch with the services and people that can help you. That's our Sheldon shout-out for today, Drive Consumer Network. Yeah, they do great work. We were talking with Edith Moore on the programme last week about all of the things that they've been doing. Thanks so much for that, Karen. And remember, too, for Sheldon shout-out, we want your contributions. Leave us a note on the Facebook page, and we will give uh, shout-outs each and every week here on Take It From Us. Make sure you do that. Uh, it's time to wrap up our programme uh, for this week. Just a special thanks to Rika Rosley, who was on our program a little bit earlier, young mum, motivational speaker, peer support specialist in Waiuku. She's doing some tremendous things in her local community. And we wish her all the best when she heads off to New York later this year. Tremendous experience, an opportunity to, to not only share her story and the stories of young New Zealanders, but also to learn from what other people are doing overseas. And remember, she'd love to hear from you. Uh, check her out, myvoicematters.co.nz. Uh, Nikki Smirk and C Niz, it was great to have them on the program today as well. Uh, they set up Ghost Like Records, two amazing young Kiwi artists. We just heard C Niz's track there, I Do It Alone. Uh, very, very good. And what they're doing, too, is inspiring young people, uh, young people who are probably finding their way in the world to get out and, and have a go at things and to be optimistic, to think positively about the life that they've got uh, through music. And I, I love that story about them going out to intermediate schools and teaching the kids how to rap. How cool is that? And think of just how much fun that those young kids would be having to be taught how to rap. That's not something that you would think would be part of the school curriculum. And here's an opportunity to learn how to do this at school. You know, to me, it doesn't get much better than that. So well done, boys. Keep up the good work. And Dr. Alex Bartle, our sleep expert on the program today, it was great to talk to him as well. The one thing I took away from what Alex had to tell us was if you are having a rubbish night's sleep, and we all get them from time to time, try not to agonise about it. Make sure if you've been awake for 15 to 20 minutes, get up. Come out into the lounge, maybe read a book, sit there and do some breathing. Don't turn on the TV and get back to bed when you're starting to feel sleepy again. I'm making that commitment not to lie there in a cold sweat worrying anymore. Actually, Karen was just saying that she did that this morning and thumbs up. That yes, worked. it worked. It worked. I got up, 10 minutes, went back to bed. All good sleep from there. I, I'm loving the endorsement, Karen. I will I will think of you if it, if it strikes me at 2 a.m. tonight. Hopefully not. Uh, thanks to Karen for producing the program. Take it from us. Please take care of yourself, take care of each other, and have a great week. You've been listening to Take It From Us with host Kent Johns, produced by Karen Murphy, executive producer Andrew Dewhurst, made with the real stories and voices from our community. And for that, we thank you. For more information on anything you've heard on today's show or for direction on where to seek further advice or assistance, visit our Facebook page, Take It From Us. Scott, Scott, Scott.